What's up, everyone? Kevin Wagstaff here. Another episode of Spector Spotlight. And today we have Scott Knudsen out of Orange County, California with Signature Home Inspections. He's one of our earliest adopters that was vocal about Spectora, so we definitely have a special place in our heart for Scott. Um, I've gotten to know him really well over the years, so he's a very insightful, uh, outspoken inspector that's definitely been in the game and, and knows what he's talking about. And we talk a little bit about some things specific to Southern California, but we also talk about technology and how to adapt it for your business and some ways that he's grown his business over time um, as he has a thriving business there in Southern California. I also want to apologize for the spottiness of our interviews this month. We had some scheduling conflicts with some guests that prevented them from uh, getting on for me to interview them, um, but we look to pick it back up here in April. So as always, if you guys have any requests for certain guests that you want to see on or have anyone in mind, shoot me an email, let me know. We're always looking to get uh, more interesting guests on that can help you guys uh, grow your business or even just pass time in the car but something of value to you. So feel free to let us know. And I hope you enjoy the interview with Scott Knutson. Ready to roll, man. How you been? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's uh, been a stressful couple of weeks. I've, uh, um, I've been renting a place that uh, is like a work-live loft where I've got a commercial uh, property down below and then live on the top two floors. I've been renting it for the last couple of years because uh, right after the divorce, you can't really buy anything. So I've yeah, yeah. been working with the landlord on it and uh, he's decided to sell. So uh, we've been, yeah, once that goes under contract, things move pretty quick. So ready to go on that. So I had the inspection today. I hired a outside party to do that. And then tomorrow <laughs> the appraisal. And uh, it seems like every day something else is coming on. So it's uh kind of seeing the other side of the, the situation why sometimes our clients are stressed out and, and uh, worried all the time so because I'm like I, I'm, I'm feeling it now and then last week I, I did get sick a little bit so that's why we had to postpone it I thought I had what was what I thought was flu poisoning uh, ended up being uh, gallstones oh so oh man I I thought it was liver problems at first because they were taking some blood work and they finally came back after uh What's that, that ultrasound? Said, hey, you got some gallstones, so I'll probably have to have that taken out sooner than later. Is it, is that painful? I don't know much about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there's a gallbladder that's underneath your liver that, that, that handles the bile whenever you're breaking food down. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not necessarily needed, but uh, uh, so, you know, it's one of these organs that they can cut out and you don't have to have it. Um, but what happens sometimes is I think risk factors, once you get over 40, um, women are more, you know, have problems with it more than men do. Uh, my sister, she's had hers taken out several years ago, but you know, with, with technology these days, you can, you know, find out what your symptoms are, go online. And I kind of had a, a general idea of what it was, um, but I wasn't for sure. So last Wednesday or no, was it Saturday? I went into urgent care and said hey i'm just not feeling well it's been four or five days and i was you know i started to i was looking a little bit yellow and my eyes were starting to turn yellow and that's usually a sign of uh, liver problems and so they thought maybe i had hepatitis or something and i'm like well that doesn't make sense because i travel quite a bit so i've had my hepatitis shots right you know a long time ago and and that didn't seem right but uh they said they'd have the results in a couple of days well 
Sunday, I was feeling a lot better and uh, got a call from the uh, the doctor at the urgent care and says, go to the emergency room as soon as possible. Your, your liver blood counts are way off. And so I spent seven hours in the emergency room on uh, Sunday and was feeling fine. But uh, they just said, yeah, you've got some gallstones that you probably were probably passing one of them. So there's like a bile duct and sometimes these little stones can get in there. And if they block that bile duct, it just gets you all backed up and makes you sick. So oh a lot of times, if I would have went in a couple of days before, they probably would have cut it out. So um, I'm kind of glad that I was feeling better because all I could think was, I got two inspections tomorrow. I don't have time to be sitting in here in the, you know, I don't want to have to call and reschedule is basically what I was thinking of when I was in the ER right. that late at night. So Wow. Yeah, so that's what my last two weeks have been going uh, pretty pretty quick, so pretty fast. You know, that's a more interesting answer than most people have when I say, hey, what's been going on lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate to be a Debbie, you know, Debbie Downer, but uh, yeah, that's really what's been going on the last couple well, weeks. Well, so. man, first of all, I'm sorry for the health-related stuff. Anytime that stuff comes up, it's always like a reset on like what's important in life and just kind of shakes everyone up. I hope, I hope that ends up okay. And you, you, you get that, get a take. Well, you know, it's always, you know, you always look at things in perspective. You know, the first thing I thought was when they said hepatitis, I'm like going through my brain racking through. I'm like, what could have caused that? I mean, I know I do travel quite a bit, but I don't eat any, you know, I'm not going to that big of exotic places. Right. Um, you know, but I did think, you know, when they said hepatitis, I'm thinking, okay, well we do sewer scopes. You know, I might want to have to start thinking about anybody that does sewer scopes for us that they need to get their hepatitis shots. Right. So that's something to where, you know, if, if there's inspectors out there that are doing sewer scopes, that might be something that you guys consider because it's not a, the series of shots that you have to take for it. It takes six months to a year to get all those done. So it's not something that's, you know, you can just go and get a shot and say, Hey, I'm done. It's, you know, you take shots, you know, I, I can't remember, it might be three months or six months, and then you go back and you take another series of shots, and I think there's three total shots that you have to have, and that only covers hepatitis A and B, so there's still hepatitis C, and there's a few other ones, but um, yeah, so, you know, either that or make sure you're cleaning your equipment, make sure you're wearing a mask, wearing gloves, um, you know, I'm, I've got uh, the hand sanitizer, everything going on now, so. I'm pretty, uh, but just being sick, you, you think about that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, you know, what was this? Is this maybe, you know, everything goes through your head. So. And the, and the things we all take for granted until it's an issue, just like anything in life. You know, it's, um, but congratulations on the, on the house, on the purchase. Um, what is, I'm curious what that's like when you're, a very successful home inspector and you're hiring a home inspector. Well, I pretty much already knew cause I've lived in this place for two years. Um, I already pretty much knew what I was going to, you know, what was, what the issues were with the property. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, if I didn't get an inspection, that'd be okay. I didn't want to have my own team do it cause I think that would be a conflict. Um, but I did want to have some inspection on record. Um, because you know, most of these agents are putting these on file somewhere. Um, but I did want to have something on record to where, you know, say for example, if something came up, you know, and I decided, Hey, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, there are people that have used inspections to back out of a contract if you yeah. need to. Yeah. 
Yeah. So at least I had, you know, I have something on file. Uh, um, you know, I pretty much, you know, it's, it's a, the, the place is considered a, again, like I said, it's a work lived loft setup. So it's in a commercial area. So, uh, there's HOA involved. So there's not a lot of stuff that has to be done on the outside. Um, I, I pretty much gave them the list that I already knew of and, uh, you know, told them, Hey, this and that, it was pretty quick for them. So it wasn't a difficult inspection for them, but at least I'll have something on file. Okay. That sounds like you didn't over, overthink it. I was wondering if you like, you know, were with them when they were doing it and scrutinized the report. Cause no, no, <laughs> I was going to be here, but we had some scheduling conflicts. So I had to actually go out and do some inspections. Yeah. Today, so I think he was probably happy for that, but you know, I'm one of those guys that I, you know, I don't, uh, if somebody starts to talk to me while I'm doing an inspection, it's really hard for me to focus because I'll sit there and, you know, you know, I'm the gift for gab. So I'll, I'll sit there and talk to him. Uh, all the time so I won't get anything done so usually I'll probably set that tone up front and say hey you know we're gonna get this inspection going and you know if you have any questions let us know and you know we will do a review at the end so you know most people here are are pretty good about that and they don't follow you around too much um, on on that aspect and I wouldn't want to do that to somebody so yeah I don't want to be right somebody's back pocket the whole time because it's a distraction it definitely is a distraction some people can handle it but others get distracted when they're trying to focus on stuff yeah to me it's hard to believe anyone can effectively multitask it's not everyone says they can but it's like you know if you're really interacting with someone how can you really be doing all the other things yeah and you have to control the process you know because if you do it that way a lot of times they pull you in different places and um, you know, you're downstairs and speaking in the kitchen and all of a sudden they say, Hey, I got this problem up in the master bath and come up here. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you're on site for an hour or two longer than what you need to be. Right on. Right on. You mentioned travels. Uh, what a lot of people like, maybe don't know about you, you are a pretty avid traveler. Where, have you been somewhere lately? What, what's been the trip? Well, I was supposed to be on a plane ride coming back from South Africa yesterday. Um, but I had to postpone that trip because, uh, of this, uh, uh, purchase of this property. So, um, I usually go somewhere. My birthday is on March 8th. So I usually go somewhere overseas for my birthday mm-hmm. and I'd planned that trip a few, uh, well, I'd probably say six or seven months ago and it was just going to be too difficult to manage everything from abroad. So I decided, well, I'll just postpone that and go at another time and, uh, so I haven't been anywhere since last, I would say I got, uh, this, this year I went, the last trip was in Spain. I went to Spain for a month. Um, I kind of set it last year as a goal to uh, try to go somewhere for at least a month and see how business ran. Cause, cause I still work when I'm gone. Um, you know, I'm running the day to day. I can still answer phone calls for where I'm at. Um, uh, I was actually based, I was in Barcelona. So um, Barcelona is about nine, eight or nine hours difference than Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so say, for example, 5 p.m. Barcelona would be like eight o'clock LA time. So I could go out and do what I needed to do during the day and sightsee and then come back and still be able to, you know, manage <laughs> emails and calls. And I'm not doing the inspections, but, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done on the back end. Uh, that I can handle when I'm gone. So it was kind of a gold mine to, you know, go somewhere for a month. And so I chose uh, Spain this time. And hopefully I'll, I'm going to do that every year going forward now is go somewhere for a month during the holidays. Um, I left on the, I believe it was the 12th of December. 
and got back on the 11th of January. So I did a few side trips when I was over there. I did get to go to Istanbul, Turkey for three or four days. And, uh, and then I did do some other parts of Spain, but, uh, yeah, it's just a nice relaxing time. And, um, you know, I don't have to hear the phone phone ring all the time and people bugging me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something Mike and I really love about you, especially Mike, cause he's a big trout. He, he's traveled a bunch in his life. So I know you guys have chatted about this a little, but this is something so many inspectors thrive to get to. And you talk about traveling so matter of factly, is this something you have always built into your business or is it something you had to learn? To to well, I, I used to, you know, I, I used to travel uh, a bit. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I always have. Um, I've been to most of the states in the U.S. Um, I think there's probably four or five that I haven't been to yet. Uh, so, you know, even though I wasn't traveling abroad, I still did travel quite a bit in the country. Um, I think my first trip overseas was back in 2011. Um, I had an uncle that, uh, or have an uncle that travels quite a bit and I said, hey, you know, I'd like to go with you. And, uh, and he, he used to go to South Africa quite a bit. So that was my first overseas trip was uh, to South Africa. You know, and that's one of the longest flights you can possibly take from the U.S. And uh, it was a three-week trip. And, oh, man, I was addicted ever since. So uh, <laughs> did some traveling. Uh, after that, I did do some down some South America, like Chile and Argentina, um, did some travel to Russia and Belarus and Eastern Europe. Um, I had a company I used to work for that uh, had offices in the Philippines. And so I was traveling a little bit before I got married. Uh, then I got married and we did travel a little bit, but uh, a little bit more expensive to travel uh, with somebody else um, that likes the finer things in life. So right, right. You know, when I, when I go, when I go, I can stay in a nice Airbnb. I don't need to stay in a five-star hotel. Um, I think there's times where it's nice, you know, like if you're going to go on a beach trip for a week, you know, or 10 days or whatever, it's nice, you know, if that's what you're going to do. But when I go, I'm usually pretty, you know, I, I go, I, I see as much as I can in, you know, in the, the days that I'm there. So if I'm gone for two weeks, I'm usually on the go for two full weeks and I'm not staying in one hotel all the time. So usually take Airbnb and stuff like that. But, um, I was married for 10 years, so we didn't go a lot of places then. And then when I got divorced, I decided, okay, I'm 45. Um, at the time, you know, what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm like, well, I'm going to start traveling again. So I have the funds, I have the resources, I have the, uh, freedom to be able to, you know, come and go when I, when I need to. Um, I don't go during busy season, of course. So uh, if I do go somewhere during, you know, peak season, um, usually it's, you know, five days at the top, you know, at, at the max. Uh, so I usually try to do the shoulder seasons, you know, during uh, early spring, uh, wintertime, late fall. Uh, so I started traveling again. And, uh, yeah, I still have the bug. So. I love it. I love it. What advice... <laughs> What advice would you give to, obviously not a solo inspector, you know, a, a, a blossoming multi-inspector that envisions a future like that, but just can't get themselves to attach or leave or trust other people. I know this is a big problem on many businesses where they just, they think everything will go to shit, frankly, if they leave for a day 
and like <laughs> what advice would you give if they want to I would like say uh, I would say automate your systems as much as possible so um, and I just recently started doing this I would say even three or four years ago I mean I was back before I mean technology's changed so much I mean sure. back when I started doing inspections um, you know when I went through the classic a hit you know they were still doing paper and pen you know, and handing out carbon copies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, all right, I can't be doing that. That's stupid. But my handwriting sucks. I'm not going to be able to do that. So <laughs> I wanted to, you know, look for some software. And so, um, but, you know, that was before there was a lot of, I mean, automation involved. I mean, before it was like, you got your agreement signed on site, you know, um, that's, I mean, there was just so many different things. I mean, you had to do your agreements, you had to do your credit cards, you had to do everything differently. And it wasn't until I started to grow the business that I'm like, okay, I can't be doing this manually process anymore. So, uh, you know, I started looking into ISN, started looking into better software, uh, started looking into easier ways to collect credit cards and agreements. And, um, and you know, I was probably one of the late adopters on ISN when, it, you know, when I first started looking into it, because at first I'm like, I just can't justify four dollars, you know, per inspection, but it's just made a huge difference in, you know, the time that it gives you back, um, and that's just in software in general. Uh, so I would just say automate your systems. You know, make sure that uh, you have a system like Spector or ISN running your back end. Um, you know, if you've got a, you know, if, if you struggle with bookkeeping, which I absolutely can't stand doing bookkeeping <laughs> and accounting, uh, I got to the point where I hired somebody to do that. Yeah. You know, if you can't, if you can't afford somebody to uh, do it locally, you know, there's companies like Upwork where you can find somebody in India or in another part of the country that has every bit of education and knowledge as somebody here locally, but at a fraction of the cost. So... You know, and you can communicate with these people via Skype, via Facebook. I mean, it's like, you know, I meet with this, you know, my bookkeepers in India. I meet with him once a month. We go over the profit and loss. You know, he's going in there and, you know, he has access to going in. I use, Z, I use zero and uh, for my accounting software. And then I use uh, Gusto for payroll. You know, he has access to it. He's, he's labeled as a, a bookkeeper. Um, he actually does work for uh, an accountant in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, has great reviews on Upwork and, you know, it's been great, you know, and he's at a fraction of the cost. Um, so, you know, setting up, you know, you just have to kind of pay for this kind of stuff. You have to pay some money to free up your time. Um, you know, same with software. I think how we, you know, came into this with you guys was, is I think when I came to you guys was, I was just looking for a software that I could finish our jobs on site and not have to spend an hour to two hours at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, doing reports, there was just, I, I was just tired of it. I just couldn't do it anymore. So that's how I would say is if you want to be able to tra travel, uh, you've got to automate your systems. Uh, the biggest, another one is call centers, backup call centers. Um, there's some people out there who say, oh, I can't, nobody can answer the phone like I can. Well, that's true. Nobody's going to be able to answer the phone like you can. But when you are getting the amount of calls that some inspectors are getting and you're trying to do home inspections, it's impossible. You can't, like right. I can't do it. I can't do an inspection and have 10 people call me during a two hour inspection. It's impossible because not every call is going to be the same. Some calls is going to say, Hey, I just need a quick quote. Some uh, calls are, 
you know, what makes you different, you know, what, what makes you different than somebody else? I call that the job interview because then it turns into, well, I got to do this and this, this, I just, I don't have time for that stuff anymore. So, you know, even, you know, if you've got to hire somebody that handles it in office, um, which is, I think we're working to probably uh, eventually get to is have somebody in the office doing that kind of stuff and then have a backup call center uh, handling those calls afterwards. Because if you really look at the numbers, you know, that one call that you miss, it could have been an inspection. Uh, you're easily going to pay for that service that you're paying for. Uh, say, for example, if you use ACC or you know, America's Call Center, I think their upfront fee was like 350 I mean, we don't use them. We use somebody else. But, you know, it's uh, 350 plus $25 on a, on a booking. Um, you know, you miss one inspection or two inspections, uh, you easily cover that cost. So you just have to look at your, you know, how you're running your business and, and you know, cost of doing business, you know, how much it costs to run a business and, and be able to free yourself up that way. I like it. So much important stuff in there to underscore just, and the big theme is just investing in areas where you can be more efficient. And I love it. And a lot of our, you know, some guys don't trust people to outsource stuff. And that that's what holds them back from having more time is they feel like they have to do everything. And so I love that you used Upwork to just find a good bookkeeper. And it's like, boom, that part is now gone off your plate. Yeah. It's, and it's a big one because I just used to hate tax time. <laughs> now, yeah. It was, uh, it, you know, it was just, you know, you're going through all the receipts and going through all the stuff. It's like, you know, with, with the way technology is now, it's like, you know, I, if you set up your accounts properly, uh, there should be no reason why. I mean, if you're, if you're billing everything through your credit card, um, yeah, sure. Keep a shoebox of receipts. But there's really no need to, you know, you know, take photos of every single receipt anymore. I mean, it's, it's, if you're using your credit card or your, you know, your, your business account, uh, debit card, um, you know, for your purchases and all that stuff, you know, all they have to do is just go in there and, you know, okay. U S postal service. I mean, every time I go to the post office to ship off, mold samples, you know, I, I'm using the same card. I know exactly where that charge is going to go and, and he'll know exactly where to place it. And, uh, come tax time, it's, it's not such a big deal. So, um, you just said, you know, the only thing I have to do now is stay on top of him to make sure he's, you know, getting everything done to where when tax season comes around, he's ready to go. I love it. I love it. And automate as much as you can. I like, you know, I like, I like the in-house person because then guys, for people that say, Oh no, the answer is me they can get pretty darn close to learning value props right and kind of getting to know well it's one of those you know i kind of was looking the other day you know i was thinking all right this is what this is the person that i want to hire and i'm thinking about all the stuff that they could do and uh there's a lot of stuff that they could take off your plate i mean they could do the social media they could handle your phone calls they could answer your emails um you know, as far as customers having questions, they can pull up reports, they can resend the reports. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's just been times where, I mean, just yesterday, I didn't get my report. You know, I'm getting a text message from the, you know, the client. And, uh, you know, my first response is, well, did you check your spam? Oh, no, I didn't check it. Let me check it. And it's like a five, you know, text message back and forth. And I'm trying to do an inspection. You know, it's like that, that, that kind of stuff needs to be, hand, you know, I need to hand that off to somebody else. Uh, so I can focus on, you know, making money and not having to deal with that kind of stuff and pay somebody else to do that kind of stuff. So um, I, I just think that if you want to free up your time, you want to enjoy life a little bit better, um, and you've got to do that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm still working on it because, 
I may take a lot of vacations, but when I'm home, I do work a lot and I do struggle with that, with that work uh, life balance. Uh, there's times where I, you know, I, I want to go to the gym. I want to spend more time working on myself, but you know, you wake up in the morning, have your coffee before you know it, the phones are starting to ring and it's like, ah, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. You almost have to get up at four o'clock nowadays just to have some peace and quiet, you know, to be able to get anything done. And I just, I've never been that type of person. I mean, I do get up at a decent hour, but you know, I'm the guy that goes to bed at midnight. You know, I, you know, I, I've just never been the person that can go to bed at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. So. It's so funny you say that this morning was that morning for me where I'm like, I'm going to get to the gym and then get up and you just have a million things going through your mind and you're like, well, shit, I guess I'm going to start working right now. Well, it's tough because the first thing you do is you get on the computer and then all of a sudden before you know it, you're like, well, I can't get off of it now, right? Yeah. You know, I, I get, I get to doing this or I get to doing that. You know, I, I have an earlier morning than normal. Usually, you know, we do 10 o'clock and two o'clock appointments and, you know, we can talk about that, you know, what market I'm in and so forth. But uh, we do 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock appointments just due to the, the size of the area that we're in and the traffic. And so I usually, if I get up at a 7 o'clock or, you know, 6.30, you know, I, I do like my morning routine. I like to get up. I like to make coffee. I like to make breakfast. I'm not, you know, hurry out the door type of person. I like to turn on the news and listen to the news. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I have a pretty slow process in the morning. But 8 o'clock comes around, that phone just starts to ring. And uh, it's just like, oh, enough already, you know, and it's, uh, you know, usually, you know, something that's, you know, somebody else should be able to take those type of calls. So that's, that's kind of where I'm getting to is, or getting to the point of is I got to get somebody that can handle those uh, calls so I can uh, focus on, you know, doing my morning routine, getting to the gym, and then head to my first appointment. So. Um, yeah. But the other thing is that we, you know, I'm in the LA, you know, area market and sometimes it's like, Oh, I got to drive how far to get you know, to the gym. It's like, what's the first thing I look at is what time is it? You know, it's like, <laughs> you're looking at your clock to say, okay, well, it's rush hour. You know, I'm not going to, it could be just a 15 minute, you know, or 15 or not even, I don't want to say 15 mile, but a five mile drive, but it's going to take you a half hour just to get there. It's like, eh, I think I'm, I think I'm going to bypass the gym today. Yeah. Let me just do some push-ups at home or something easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about your local market. Um, just, you know, tell for those that don't know, um, how long have you been in kind of the Orange County, LA area? Kind of what's it like running a business? All right. Hold on one second here. Um, all right. So I've been doing this. I've been, oh, I, I feel like an old man. I'm really not an old man. <laughs> So, you're young, but, uh, you're young guy. Yeah, I, I've been doing this actually since 2002. So uh, that's uh, going on 17 years, which just seems like crazy that I'm still doing this after that many years. Um, all right, well, let's see. Let's let's start how I got into it. So uh, I got into it um, when I was when I was in school. Um, I always I always wanted to be an architect. And once I started taking some of the classes, I mean, this is back when it was AutoCAD drafting classes. Yep. Now I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I just don't like math, you know? And if you don't like math, you're not going to be a very good architect. <laughs> and I started doing some of that research, you know, I'm thinking, well, they don't really make that bit of money either unless you're designing these Guggenheims and, you know, all these like the Walt Disney Theater downtown, right. LA, stuff like that. You're not making that kind of money. 
And so I thought, all right, well, you know, I, I've always enjoyed houses. I've always loved houses. I've always been in houses where, wow, I want to live in a house like that someday. And so I've always enjoyed being around houses. Well, then when I got into college or in university, uh, I worked, um, you know, I paid my way through school and worked, uh, you know, part-time uh, in the construction field. So did anything from framing to HVAC and mechanical um, to, I mean, just a plethora of everything, you know, jack-of-all-trades type deal. And so I was around building houses and stuff when I was in college. Um, so I always, you know, always enjoyed being around homes. And then when I got out of college, um, I worked um, in um, – corporate America for 10 years, approximately 10 years, and just just never liked climbing that corporate ladder. It just, it just wasn't for me. Um, I don't like to really be told what to do, where to be, you know, what time to, you know, be in a certain place. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything because I did learn a lot of stuff in corporate America. Um, I, I worked in the call center business, and so um, we did, I, I was in the client service division, so uh, basically dealt with clients like AT&T and Apple and T-Mobile to where basically whenever the client uh, wanted to go to one of our call centers because we handled their calls. Like a lot of times if you call, say, T-Mobile, for example, you hear this Philippine sound in person. Mm -hmm. you're, you're calling, you're calling T-Mobile, but a company like ours is handling the calls. Those are our employees. So basically – I was the client contact. So anytime they wanted to go somewhere or they had any kind of communication to our company, it would go from the client uh, or the vendor, we called them, to, to me. And then it would go from me and to the company. So I was kind of like that buffer. Um, the good part at the beginning was that I traveled quite a bit. So if the client says, hey, we need to go to the Philippines, we need to go to Manila, uh, we need to be on a plane in a, in a week, um, I would have to go with them because I was that contact. They could not go, the client, the vendor, the client couldn't just go and have full access to everybody on the field. They had to communicate it through me and then I would communicate it. So um, it was good in that aspect because I was able to deal with, you know, high-end clients. I mean, if you've ever dealt with uh, Apple and their customer satisfaction scores, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, basically they call it CSAT. And it would be, if you didn't get a nine or a 10 on your customer satisfaction score, you're in trouble. And that's, you know, so basically whenever a call, like if you've ever called into Apple, uh, they will always send you a, a customer, like a, a survey. And it's basically a zero to 10. And if you don't score them a nine or 10, something's up. It's, they're not happy with it. Like right. they, they want a nine or 10. And so can you imagine us being as a, you know, a company that's handling their calls and it's our employees. So, you know, just being able to having to deal with that, you know, level of um, uh, management style on a daily basis, you know, companies like Apple and AT&T, that does translate over to, a, you know, uh, you know, in whatever career you choose, whether it be home inspections or real estate, you just, you, you learn that as you're, you know, doing your work. Um, so I just got real tired of that. Um, and the other thing that happened with that is that they usually would have like year contracts, like yearly contracts. And because what they do is on call volume, they don't, they can kind of, they, they predict their call volume for the year. Um, and based off of, you know, whatever kind of promotions they're running, say, for example, for Apple, we did a lot of their activations. So whenever they launched a new phone, they would say, okay, we're expecting to activate this many phones or sell this many phones. We need this amount of staff for this amount of time. 
And so we would sign a contract based on that, you know, how many hours it was going to take us to handle those calls. And, but the problem is that once the, uh, the contract ended, sometimes other contracts hadn't come in. And so what they would do is they would lay people off at the end of the year. And then as soon as a new contract come in, then they call you up and say, okay, Hey, you know, we got a new contract. Can you come back? And I just got tired of that because it just didn't seem like the company was planning things out very well. And so I got to the point to where, all right, I'm going to look for something else. Like I, I just don't like working for corporate America anymore. So I just remember being at a party one time and I talked to this guy and I asked him what he did. And he goes, I'm a home inspector. And I'm like, what's, what's that? You know, I didn't know what that was. I never heard any. He told me what he did. And I said, that looks, that sounds awesome. So I started doing some research in the back end uh, and decided this is what I'm going to do. You know, I've got this experience. I just need to start looking up some schools. And uh, that's ended up what I did was uh, uh, on the back end, I, I kind of knew that the next time that they were going to lay me off, uh, I was going to jump ship and I was going to go you know, straight in. I was saving some money. I was going to take a class. I, I researched AHIT at the time. Um, and again, you have to think 17 years ago wasn't, uh, you know, it seems like a long time ago, but it really wasn't too long ago. But they didn't have online classes like they have now. Um, you actually, I think at the time, I don't know how they do it now, but AHIT would go around to different cities. They would go to Scottsdale, Arizona. They would go to Wisconsin. They would go to different cities. And you basically had to time it to where, all right, I'm going to go to Scottsdale, and I'm going to fly to Scottsdale from Salt. At the time, I was living in Salt Lake City uh, and take their two-week class. And so – that's how I got into uh, home inspections. It was like I got laid off, and the next week they had a class in Scottsdale. I had some friends that lived in Scottsdale, and I called them up. I said, "Hey, can I stay at your place for two weeks?" I hopped on the next flight down there and, and hopped in that class, and uh, took the two week class. And uh, the week after I got back, I did my first inspection, and that was wow. back in two, about two thousand two. Um, so that's how I got into it. Um, and how I, you know, that little, little bit of history of how things used to be done back in the day. Um, I've been in this, again, I've, I've done this business in three different markets. Uh, I started out in Salt Lake City, had the business up there. Uh, I would say probably, I'm guessing on these years, but maybe seven to 10 years in Salt Lake City. Uh, and then that was back when, well, I'd probably say, when the market crashed, 2008? Seven, eight, yeah. Seven, yeah, I would say probably six, seven years in Salt Lake City, and then the market crashed, and, uh, you know, you know, I would say the market was really down for probably a good six months to a year before the investors started coming in, and uh, then it picked up a little bit. But, I mean, it was, it was slim pickings for a good six to eight months after the market crashed um, to where you were just barely getting by, and, uh you know, it took a little while before the investors started coming in and picking up you know, properties and doing their inspections again. Um, and then it just was never really the same because it did take a little while to get back to normal. So at the time I was married, uh, my wife had just graduated from uh, college and she wanted to go somewhere else. She wanted to get out of the state of Utah. So we decided, you know, we had always liked San Francisco. And so we uh, moved to San Francisco and uh, I started this business up uh, for three years in San Francisco. No kidding. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you knew that or not. Um, so uh, ran this and it was good in San Francisco. It was actually not in, I mean, I did San Francisco, but it was down in Mountain View, Palo Alto area. 
Mm-hmm. So the area was more, uh, you know, like San Jose, East Bay, that lower portion. Um, you know, still high in Silicon Valley, basically. I mean, it was expensive homes. And I just remember coming from Salt Lake City to where you could buy, you know, a mansion with a pool for half a million dollars and doing my first inspection in, uh, where was my first inspection? I want to say it was in Saratoga or Santa Clara. And I just remember it was a half a million dollar house. And it was, I'm not kidding you, it was like an 1,100 square foot piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and I was ridiculous. I was like, no way anybody would buy this house. So, I mean, I had a big shock. I was like, this is ridiculous. But, you know, they were paying me to do inspections and, you know, I was busy. <laughs> and it didn't take much, you know, because they, they were so busy. Then they were, I don't know if there was just a shortage of inspectors or my price was too low or what it was. But uh, I was busy for a good three years before for my uh, wife decided I don't like San Francisco. I don't like this area up here. So at that point, then we decided uh, uh, to head down to Orange County and uh, duplicated what I did in Salt Lake and or, or, um, in San Francisco and duplicated it here in Orange County. And now I've been in Orange County for about five years, I'd say. So that's kind of my background and how I got to the, where I'm at. So if people don't know where Orange County is, Orange County is uh, just south of LA. It's a suburb of LA. So uh, Anaheim, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's one of the wealthier uh, counties in the country. Uh, I think our average median price on a home uh, is about eight hundred thousand. Uh, medium home or median price on a condo is about five hundred thousand. So pretty expensive uh, real estate down here. <laughs> yeah, just a beautiful place. I mean, I'm I love I love California. I love Southern California. Um, man, it's funny. It's it just you just. Like your business, I guess it just seems like you've been there for forever. It's kind of cool how growing up, growing the relationships. Um, well, it's 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 changed over time too. Is um, you know we when we can talk about this too. Is is you know when I started in Salt Lake City, it was the candy you know the candy jars that going out to the offices and uh, you know dropping yeah. flyers in their boxes. And, you know, that kind of stuff. And that worked, you know, well, I mean, for me anyway, that worked okay. Um, but I, it just wasn't something I liked to do. You know, it, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of gas. It took a lot of effort to go out to these things. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so at the end of my terms in Salt Lake is I started to do a lot of email marketing. Um, and I just, I got a database of all the realtors. Uh, don't ask me how, but you know, <laughs> there's, there, there's legal ways and there's not legal ways, but I just started hitting them with, uh, you know, different promotions every other week or not every other week, probably every two weeks, you know, whether it be a $50 off or whether it be, you know, this size of house for this price or whether it be a free mold test or whatever it was, but that's how I reached a lot of people fast and was able to grow my business. Um, I duplicated that when I went to San Francisco um, because in San Francisco, it's such a big market and I just didn't care. I just, I wanted to get into the market and I wanted to, uh, you know, grow it as fast as I could. And I started doing the same thing and I had the same kind of uh, results. And I didn't, I bet I went into one office in the San Francisco Bay area uh, while I was there for the two or three years that I was there. Um, they just, what happened was after the market crashed, uh, technology changed. 
you know, they didn't, they, agents don't have to be in the office as much as they have to be, you know, as much as they used to have to be because they have printers, they have their computers, they have cell phones, they don't, you know, they have their own printers, they don't need to go in the office as much anymore. And so I just wasn't seeing any results by going into the offices like I, you know, would when I was in Salt Lake City. Um, and so it just takes that, it's, it's kind of like a snowball effect, you know, it just grows and grows and grows. You know, take care of the customers, give them a good value, uh, do a good job, provide them with a good inspection, and, you know, word gets out, and then others start to call you. Um, then when I went down to Southern California where I'm at now, I tried that same technique, and it didn't work. <laughs> I, I, it, it, I mean, it did, but not like I had success with it in Salt Lake and, and in San Francisco Bay Area. So... You know, and I know I'm talking a lot, but, you know, I've kind of told this story several times, and it's probably useful for a lot of people, but I was like, okay, this sucks. What am I going to do now? You know, am I going to have to start going to the offices again? You know, you know, and they usually do the same things that you do all the time. You join the board. Uh, you do different things. Oh, that was another thing that was a big difference was from Salt Lake City, we had access to Supra Rockbox. You go to California, the first thing you do is you go to the association or the board and say, hey, I need to get a Supra Rockbox. When I went to California, they're like, "No, we, we we don't get we don't give those out to home inspectors." I'm like, "What? That's crazy!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you you mean you got to go open the door for me? It's like that's crazy. It's not a very good utilized you know use yeah. of your time. But that's just how it is in California. Most places, I you know, I don't know of too many boards that will give you a super access. But anyway, so um, I you know when I wasn't able to get the business running down here as fast as I did in those other areas. Um, I started doing a lot more research on uh, SEO. Um, I ended up getting a hold of some guy in San Diego, California, that was a WordPress genius. Um, this guy, you know, he kind of, you know, he's a home inspector. Guy. I don't think he's that big, but you know, he does enough to keep himself, uh, you know, you know, a, a, a good life. Um, but he told me, he goes, "This is the future." He goes, "You've got to get an, an online presence." Um, whether it be SEO, whether it be, uh, you know, reviews. And I'm like, reviews? What's reviews? You know, I'm like, what's that? And, you know, I'm, I'm still doing all this research. So basically at the time, I had this old crappy GoDaddy website that didn't give me any SEO benefit. I got into, I taught myself WordPress and built my site uh, and, you know, researched keywords, citations, claiming your business on all the sites. I, I did all that. And once I did all that, I started getting a lot of traffic to my website and started having people, you know, call me just based off of them finding me online. And I know that's probably, um, you know, a lot of people are doing that now. You know, it's in a lot. It's not something that's new. But you know, not. I mean, just five years ago, that that wasn't that. You know, a lot of people weren't doing that. Um, and you know, we talked about you know us, you know, when we rebuilt my website, how I made it very clear that, you know, hey, I've, you know, we got to keep a lot of this verbiage on my website because I don't want to lose the content that I have. Um, yeah, a lot of years of yeah. work went into it. And for those that don't know, Scott ranks at the top in one of the most competitive markets in the country, Orange County, LA area, Irvine. And so, yeah, that work clearly has paid off, which is amazing. I, got a, I think yeah. I got 115 Google reviews, which is insane. That's more than pretty much everything I've seen. Yeah, we've got over 230 some uh, Yelp reviews as well. Yelp is pretty big out here. So um, yeah. I know a lot of people hate Yelp and you know we can go, we can talk about that 
you know, a little bit later on, but uh, you just have to know how to utilize these uh, services. I mean, we don't pay for that kind of stuff, uh, but you still people, people, and you know, I use Yelp all the time. You know, I, yeah. when I'm looking for restaurants, when I'm looking for certain things, uh, it's still uh, a good way to, you know, find restaurants or find businesses. Uh, you know, when I go get my windows tinted, that's how I found the window tinter. You know, the guy I found them on Yelp. So um, you don't have to pay Yelp to still have a presence on Yelp and a positive presence. So anyway, so that we'll get to that here in a second. But um, so then I just remember, and I'll, I'll tell you how I started learning about reviews uh, and how that can improve your business is uh, I remember my first uh, Yelp review, uh, I got a, a one-star Yelp review and I didn't have, I, I wasn't on Yelp. I didn't have a profile on Yelp. All of a sudden I get this one star and I'm like, where the heck was that? And what had happened was that a realtor had scheduled me to do an inspection and it was an hour and a half away from where I was at. And, you know, when you're new, you're like, sure, I'm going to go out there. I'll, I'm going to do it, you know, in the market. I, I wasn't new, but I was new in the market. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, any new lead or new uh, inspection is going to, is going to help you. Well, I get out to the property and I don't know if there was a miscommunication part on his side or my side, but uh, I was supposed to be there at two o'clock. I got there at two o'clock. Nobody was there. Nobody was there to open the door. Nobody was there to let me in. And uh, I'm just like, well, you know, I tried to call the realtor, couldn't get a hold of him. And uh, I'm like, well, I, I guess I got stood up. I'm not going to, you know, it was like a Saturday. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go the rest of my day. Well, I was, you know, never heard from the guy. All of a sudden, I get this bad review from this realtor. I'm like, what? What is this all about? You know, I'm like, dude, this is total BS. You know, I was there, this and that. I couldn't get a hold of the guy. And that's how a lot of these reviews are is, you know, it's their, their version versus your version of events. And so I just looked at that and thinking, I, I can't have that, you know, that's online presence. And I've got a, you know, a one star on Yelp. And so I just made it my mission to uh, every inspection I did ask for a review, say, Hey, if you're happy with our service, can you go on to Yelp and give us a positive review? And it took about 35 to 38 reviews five-star reviews before that went from a one-star to a five-star. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was funny was as soon as I got to about 35 to 38 reviews, the calls just started coming in. And I didn't do anything differently uh, than I did before, but start focusing more on reviews. And again, this was four or five years ago. Um, you know, I started getting calls off of reviews. I'm thinking, hey, there's something going on here. People were actually going online and they're finding home inspectors uh, based off of their Yelp review or their Google reviews. And I just made it a mission to where after every inspection, I was asking for reviews. And, and, and I know now there's, you know, review companies out there that will do that for you and stuff. But this is before, you know, any of that happened. So uh, as soon as I got to that 30 to 35 to 40 reviews, it just took off. And, uh, here we are now. Yeah. And your lead is insurmountable now. And I love this because you were an early adopter. You listened, you saw the right in the wall and you went with it. And so whether that be approaching reviews this way or your software, you know, obviously early adopters are so proud of because a lot of them have grown their business through one of the, one of the first time we were like, where we, where we, how long have you guys been in business before we started with you? Yeah, it may have been a 
uh, th- three months, six months. I mean, it was early. Because I, I remember saying, hey, can you import this thing? And I think you guys did that, the kitchen section of Report Host. And it took a long time just to get that kitchen section in there. I, I remember our first conversation. Yeah, and you were an early adopter. And you've, you've gone through your pain, of course, in <laughs> three years <laughs> of bugs and shit. And we've, you know, we've stayed up some late nights with you. And I appreciate you for that. But That's funny. look at how you've grown your business by being somewhat early to different trends. And it's no coincidence. You know, I think that's because you understand, you have, take risks. You have to, you have to stay on top of technology these days. And, you know, I'll give you another example. I was at an inspection uh, yesterday um, that uh, the, the listing agent, he'd been in business for 30 years. I bet he was, I mean, I'm bad with age, you know, determining somebody's age, but I would, I would say he's at least 75 years old mm-hmm. and listening to him talk to an agent that was probably 35 years old and the difference in their mindset on where they're at with their technology. And, and I'm like, this guy has no idea what's coming. You know, that's the whole thing. I, I'm listening to them talk while I'm doing the inspection. And I'm like, the guy that's 35, he's get, he gets, it. he knows what's going on. And he actually, I don't know if you've heard, but he works. Have you heard of Rex? I think you guys have Rex in Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, this guy worked for Rex. The other guy worked for, you know, a, a typical, you know, a, a standard um, real estate office. But I just saw those two differences. I'm like, the old guy, he's going to get pushed out. I mean, he's probably okay with it by now because he's been in it for so long. But uh, he's, he was just not keeping up on technology. And uh, that's just a perfect example. And in, in, whether it be real estate, whether it be home inspectors, whether it be, you know, even travel agencies or financial uh, you know, consultants, technology is changing things. And uh, it's going to be interesting how, how it affects home inspectors and realtors. Uh, I mean, realtors are already starting to, you know, see the signs. Uh, and I think uh, home inspectors need to stay on top of what's going on in the market right now. Yeah. There's so many cross currents. There's so many initiatives happening. There's lots of uh, changes in our industry. We can get into some of this um, actually in terms of, you know, people get their home inspection report, then they want contractors, they want cost estimates, um, people want drone footage, they want footage. Um, there's a lot changing. What, what do you see as some of the biggest things to look out for in the coming years from a home inspection? Um, you know, I know, can you hear me, hear me okay? Yep. Okay. Um, well, this guy, I mean, I, I see the, I, you know, I read an article the other day, I guess there's some lawsuit out there right now, or, you know, the company, I think it's the, the law firm that's, that sued the big tobacco companies. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, uh, they are now suing the NAR, the National Association of Realtors. Wow. Uh, um, and again, it's just, I just read it on Inman, I think the other day, I didn't get through the whole article, um, but uh, they're basically... Um, I don't want to say it has anything to do with price fixing, but it has to do with that uh, rule to where the the seller has to buy or pay for the buyer's agent's commission. So if you know, it has to do with something like that. And they're saying that it, it, they're saying that if if that firm and it's a and that this firm is not just the average. Hey, I'm going to take a swipe at the NAR, get a certain amount of money out of them, and then I'm gone. This firm will actually, if they win this case, it'll change how commissions are paid. 
uh, and that could disrupt the whole industry when it comes to the real estate industry because uh, as a listing you know as a uh, as a list you know if you're selling your house um, you know you're paying what you know five six percent commission um, why why is the listing agent having to pay for the buyer's agent's commission right you know you know it's kind of one of these things where it's like you know they're I don't want to say they think it's price fixing but you know they're look they're looking at like you know this is not right because from my understanding is in England and Australia places that are similar to the US as far as how you buy and sell a house they don't get that kind of commission they're not getting a five six percent commission it's more like two or three percent commission so I've been kind of paying attention to how that works uh, I'm you know Redfin was an early company in our market uh, Probably one of my favorite websites uh, to look up properties is on redfin.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have Purple Bricks that is in our market, uh, and I think Open Door is now starting to come on our market. Yep. Then you have Zillow that's starting to sell houses. So if I was a real estate agent, I'd be really concerned right now, um, just because um, one, uh, uh, most people, and I'll have to look at the stats here. Let me from what I've been reading. Let me, let me pull it up here for you. Um, but uh, I'll give you an example. So the guy that, um, that uh, owns this property that I'm buying, um, he decided that he was going to uh, sell to me. We've been kind of discussing this for the last six months and it got to the point to where um, we were going to possibly just do the transaction ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we got two guys that don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, you could easily contact a lawyer and have them do all the paperwork, but you still have to deal with the title company. You still have to deal with the loan. You still have to do that stuff. So there is a need for somebody that can manage the process. Um, but is it 6%? Is it 5%? Is it 3%? You know, what's, what's that number um, with the way technology is these days? Because basically nowadays it just seems like, okay, you get the listing, uh, you put it on the MLS, and most buyers nowadays – are, are finding the houses on, online independent of their buyer's agents. They just need the buyer's agent to, you know, take them to the house, open the door and show them the house. Right. Pretty much, you know, kind of where I'm at with that. So this guy, he contacted me, he goes, okay, let's don't go that route. I'm going to hire this company called Rex. And uh, they basically are going to charge him 2% to do the transaction. And um, that's it, 2%. Um, they're not putting that on the MLS, uh, which uh, when he first told me that, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be living in this place for the next six or seven months. He's not going to put it on the MLS. Right. Um, but there's other avenues out there. They can still put it on Zillow. They can still put it on Trulia. They can still put it on these other websites. They can do Facebook posts. They can, you know, they, there's other avenues nowadays where they can get these houses uh, out there without having to go to the MLS. Um, the other downside that I saw to it was that if um, if you're not if you're only paying two percent and you're not going to pay the buyer's agent, well, what what incentive is it for a buyer's agent to bring that you know buyer if they're not going to get paid on it? Well, you know, the basically the buyer's going to have to pay that buyer's agent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's a crazy it's. I I never knew what the answer was, but even when I was a realtor, there was times when I was like, man, this model just feels not right and broken. Um, Not for the agents, but the agents have been making out great for a lot of years. 
Um, but there's, there's no shortage of companies taking the model up. And I just wonder from our perspective where the infections come from if a company or the agent or their, you know, if a open door or a Zillow is now one yeah. transaction. So the reason that's why I'm talking about this, Rex, because that's how I'm, I'm going through this process right now with them. And there's been nothing but positive so far. Mm -hmm. um, they have their, and again, I think they're based up in Woodland Hills, California. You can look them up. It's, it's rexhomes.com. Um, basically, uh, anybody can sell their house for 2%. No hidden fees, no upfront costs. Um, How do you spell that? And basic, uh, it's rex, R-E-X, homes. Dot com. And so he decided to go that route. So basically, um, since I was already, already qualified buyer, um, they, they assigned me uh, another rep in their office to handle the buyer side. So I still have an agent. I'm not paying anything. And he's not having to pay anything. He's, he's paying, still paying the 2%. So they have two agents in the same office. Uh, but two separate agents, they have their in-house escrow, they have their in-house loan, everything's in-house, and uh, the process so far has just been flawless. Uh, wow. So far. That says something and, for the model, right? And, 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 yeah. I mean, they, the, the, the pictures have been taken, you know, they've done all that stuff. I mean, it's no different than any other process. Um, but, you know, overall, he's going to save about 2%. And so anyway, my, my point where I'm getting at is that most uh, buyers these days are finding realtors or home, I don't want to say realtors, but are finding homes online long before they've contacted an agent. Now, maybe the house isn't still available, but they are doing their research online and they're finding the houses that they like and that they know that they're like, they just need somebody there to open the door. So I think that's where even Open Door comes in. Open Door is basically, aren't they just buying the house, putting a, a, a code box on it and people can come and go as long as, you know, as long as they access the code and download the app. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just stuff like this is changing and I'm going through this process now. I'm thinking I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to go through that whole process before how I went through it before, you know, cause I've bought houses before and so far it's been great. So, um, you know, talk to me as soon as this is over with, maybe I'll have a different uh, view on it. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it, Companies like this is just going to keep growing. Um, you'd asked, you talked about how, how home inspectors are going to get involved with this. I think that's an unknown right now. Um, but with this company, um, they, the agents that they have hired have that relationship already with home inspectors. They came from a different company. Um, it. maybe it's an, maybe it's an agent that worked for Coldwell Banker and saw the writing on the wall and says, Hey, I need to, I need to rethink this thing. You know, and maybe they got, you know, skittish and say, Hey, I don't see, you know, my career going very far. Um, if there's companies like this, you know, starting up and going forward on it, does that, does that make sense? Or, you know, yeah. some, and then the agents that I've dealt with are, you know, they're veteran agents. Um, some of the agents at Redfin that I've dealt with are veteran agents. Uh, I think they just decided that they were tired of the, you know, they'd rather be paid on a salary versus, you know, uh, a, a commission that they don't know if is going to come in next month or the month after, or even get paid for six months. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, and so I, I actually did an inspection for 
my buyer's representative yesterday for rec picked up a business from them and they're going to start using us for uh, their home inspections. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. So, I mean, you just have to, my, it, I know we've been rambling on about it, but uh, what I would do is if you were a home inspector, I would be searching for these companies that are popping up and doing whatever you can to get in front of them because, um, in the meantime, they're, they're going to be looking for home inspectors. That home inspector is not going to go away. Maybe it might change in the future to where they start bringing home inspections in-house. Um, but, you know, we don't know that yet. So you just have to you know, keep your eye open on this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it's happening. Changes are being made. That's the fear. That's the fear I have is that, yeah, they bring it in-house and really cheapen it. And just kind of get a guy, you know, get, get a guy to um, walk through and do a limited home inspection, but I sure hope it still remains competitive and they can use whoever they want. Um, yeah. Well, and that comes to, you know, you've got to diversify your company. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've, uh, I don't know if we've even talked about that, but we, we've really been pushing more into mold. Um, we, we're in California, so we, we don't have a lot of radon here. So radon's not a, a popular service here. So it's not something we can offer. Um, you know, most of the time when we offer it, the agents will just shut it down and say, oh, it's not needed. You don't need it. You know, they kind of block you on it. Um, the only time we typically get a request for radon is when somebody moves from a state like Colorado to California and say, hey, uh, <laughs> they, you know, they're aware of radon. They want to have it tested. Um, well, we, and we, we know who that we can send them to. There's a few guys that do it or a few companies that do it, but most inspectors here in California don't do radon. So, um, you know, we've really had to push into doing more sewer, uh, doing more mold and, and mold's been, uh, you know, a good, uh, uplift for us. I mean, we've got our own mold template that we've built in Spector. Um, I know I'm going to get a lot of requests now because people are going to ask for it, but um, I'm actually going to rebuild it because it needs to be rebuilt. So if somebody wants me to share it, I won't share what I've got right now because it's going to be rebuilt. Once I rebuild it, then I'll share it. But uh, um, you know, we've been pushing more into mold because mold seems more recession proof. Um, if we have a slow week in inspections, uh, mold usually offsets it for us. And so uh, I think you've just got to focus more on diversifying your, your services as well. Yeah. Great advice. I think that's a, a consistent theme of take, take the time or the money, get certified in some of these auxiliary services that there's a demand for, obviously it's got to be demand for it. Um, yep. And so you guys will have a lot of standalone mold jobs then, right? People will just say, Hey, yeah, I did two this morning and um, they're quick. You know, they take about an hour piece. Um, you know, we charge uh, sometimes more than what the home inspection is. Uh, I, I remember being at a house one time where the client hired another guy for the home inspection, and uh, I think his fee was three hundred bucks or three fifty. And uh, I just I knew who he was. I, I'd never met him before, but I knew who he was. And uh, I asked him. I said, "Why don't Why don't you do mold?" He goes, oh, I just you know legality reasons. I don't want to get sued. You know, I want to stick with home inspections." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. You know, that's fine." And uh, he asked me, he goes, well, how much are your fee for this? And I said, well, it's three eighty nine. And he just almost, his jaw just dropped his floor. He's like, you're kidding. You know, he's like, here I am crawling in the crawl space and I'm here for three hours. And he goes, he goes, I make 300 bucks. And he goes, you're here for less than an hour and you made three eighty nine. And I'm like, oh, so we throw him, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he's changed his mind after that, but uh you know, there's money to be made in mold. I mean, you yeah. heard that word mold is gold. You gotta, you gotta teach yourself how to do it and take the classes, get the certifications and 
and uh, offers a service. There's no, I mean, I can't tell how many times I've gone to a house that the inspector, uh, another inspecting company uh, reported that there was a mold-like substance underneath the bathroom sink. And then here we are, we come in afterwards and do the mold inspection. And the, the agent finds out, because most of the agents here in California will always be at the inspection. And so that's your time to shine and market to them. Mm -hmm. We'll find out that we do home inspections and mold testing and sewer. And they're like, why am I hiring this guy when you guys can do it all? I mean, I just had to come out here twice for this one. You could have done, done this on site, right? And I said, yeah, we could have taken your samples. And you probably would have had them back by now if you would have used us as your home inspection. <laughs> Boom. Sold. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, and that's the other things too, is I, I see so many, uh, you know, and again, I, I don't think I don't feel old, you know, I'm 47 now. Um, I've been in the business for a long time, but I just see so many companies or seeing so many guys that are just stuck in their ways that, you know, this is the best software. I'm not going to change my software. Uh, there's no way you can do an inspection in an hour on site and have it sent out. Um, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. I'm gonna, it's like you have to see what's going on. I mean, even if you, I mean, you've, you've may, I mean, go, you know, and some of the older guys are sitting in their ways, maybe, maybe contact an up and coming company um, that is new in your area that's really taking the place by storm and see if you can go on a ride along with them because you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're always going to learn something when you go with somebody else on one of their inspections. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I, you, you just got to open your mind up to that. There are always, you know, there's going to be better ways to do things. You know, and it's, I wonder if that's something that just there's haves and have nots. And I think, you know, it's very clear the guys that just are okay riding off into the sunset, they'll slowly erode in their business if they don't, if they're not open-minded, progressive in how they do things. And so, yeah, I agree. Um, a lot of our, you know, part of our industry is that way. Um, but hopefully they realize if they want to stay around, you have to open your eyes and innovate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to be respectful of your time here. How much, um, is there anything else we didn't talk about that, uh, that you see is a big issue right now, hot button issue or something that I should have asked you? Oh, I could talk for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to do this again for sure. Um, uh, I would say, I mean, you know, I'm looking at some of the lists that we could talk about here. I mean, work-life balance to me, you know, I would just say you've just got to find the time. you just got to make time for yourself and your family. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do a better job of it uh, while, while I'm here, you know, when I'm doing work, when I'm on site, um, you know, versus when I go somewhere else. Um, you know, where I think the business, I, I think you just got to stay on top of the news. You got to follow the trends. You got to, uh, you know, I think it's changed a lot too, because when I did inspections back in the day, uh, you know, even five, more than five years ago, there was no Facebook, you know, communities. You know, it's where you could go and say, hey, how do I inspect this? Or how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, you basically had to do it on your own. You had to right. figure it out. You actually had to, you know, type in Google and, and use that Google machine to find your answer. And I, and I still do that if I, if I have a question on stuff. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, don't be afraid to go to some of these coaching, you know, 
uh, is it coaching like IEB or MIC or even smaller mastermind groups? I think we've talked about that before to where um, I think the last time I talked with you was that, you know, I, I had a, I hosted a, a group of about 10 to 12 companies um, at my office. Um, we're in a small little mastermind group to where there's companies from all you know different states in the country and we all get together every few months at a different location and we just meet for three days and go over um, you know what the trends are what's what we're seeing in each other's markets uh, what what that company's doing new um, you know I, I think you know getting on some mastermind groups with other inspectors in different parts of the country will help your business and, and grow your business as well huge yeah, I couldn't agree more. Gives you a different perspective. Just naturally opens your mind up. For any of us have all the answers because we don't. And so um, I, I'm a big fan of what you're doing with that. I think that's really cool. I'm trying to think what else. Um, nothing. You know, weather in SoCal is great. Man, um, you, got, you got it made out there. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> You'd ask about how we inspect out here. I mean, if it gets over 80 degrees, uh, I'm complaining. So uh, <laughs> last week we had a few days over 80. I'm like, what? Geez, you know, we went from winter to, to spring, just, you know, to summer, just like that. Where's the spring at? Uh, but it's back down to normal now. So, um, you know, obviously different uh, houses out here than where I was at in Salt Lake City. You know, they're not as big out here. I think when I pulled our numbers uh, a few weeks ago, um, the, in Orange County, the average age was 1982 and the average square footage was 2200 square foot. Oh, so, man. so we don't get, you know, it's a newer area out here. We don't have, you know, it's a, it's a, I mean, I, I think I saw pictures the other day of the I-5, uh, just 30 years ago and it was just pasture. It was just, you know, I'm like, no way. And it, Cause it showed on the picture that this is where the intersection was. And I'm like, you know, it's not that long ago. <laughs> so, you know, the, the house, you know, it's like Irvine, for example, was incorporated in 1971. So we don't have to do deal with a lot of the older houses out here. A hundred uh, year old houses. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we do see them every once in a while. Uh, most of them are going to be up closer towards LA or in the older parts of some of the suburbs like, you know, Anaheim or Santa Ana. Sometimes you see houses that are over a hundred years old, but you know, not very often. Um, most of the houses nowadays are going to be slab on grade. I mean, we still do have quite a bit of crawl spaces. Um, but you know, most of our houses were on site for two or three hours and then on to the next one. Um, oh, you know, one, people out. One thing ahead. I wanted to ask you about, sorry to cut you off. Um, nope. I, I want to finish that thought, but I want to ask you about um, cost estimates. That's something a lot of inspectors don't talk about or do with customers wanting the cost of things that you point out. I didn't know if you had any updated thoughts on that or like demand for that. Uh, we do. Um, I think uh, that was something to where when we were developed, when you guys were developing the software where you came on board, was that uh, the, the software I used before gave us that ability to, to type in a, a cost estimate. Mm -hmm. And so when you guys added that feature, I was actually using that feature to provide estimates. Uh, but I was actually charging for it. So uh, if somebody wanted me to sit down and and go through and provide a cost estimate. I had to go through the books and you know provide that information. I wasn't going to do it for free. Otherwise, you know, I'm back to you know create you know spending hours and hours again on doing reports. Um, since that time, uh, companies uh, like Porch and Repair Pricer have started their own services. So what we've done is is that 
I mean, a lot of times after the inspection, uh, you have buyers, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, well, how much is all this going to cost? Hmm. Well, you know, we all know as home inspectors that, you know, that's not something that we do. We're not contractors. We're not able to provide that information. You might be able to verbally do it, but there's just so much liability these days that, you know, I don't even like to give a price on how much a GFCI is going to cost. I mean, I do, but, you know, they hold you to it. You know, there's a difference now. Before it wasn't so, you know, okay, yeah, the inspector told me five bucks, it's actually 15, no big deal. Now it's like if you tell them it's, you know, five bucks and it turns out to be 15, they're calling you complaining about, it. you know, hey, you told me it was going to be five bucks. Yeah. So um, what we started to use was once Repair Pricer came out, I'm like, okay, how, do, how can we utilize this, uh, this program and not put us into, you know, liability or, or you know, yeah, uh, what's that? You know, draw that line between being a home inspector and providing that service. Uh, you know, for the customer because it's a it's a service that's in demand. Um, I know there's home inspectors that 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 get that report from Repair Pricer and say it's all out of whack. Well, yes, it's probably not always going to be 100% accurate, but it gives the client an estimate. You have to you have to make sure that it's clear to your client, whether it be in an email whether it be on site or whether it be on the phone when you're discussing that, hey, this is a repair price report. This is an estimate. Uh, this is a guideline to give for you can utilize to uh, negotiate repairs. And uh, most of the time when we explain that to them, uh, we haven't really had any issues. I actually had a lady yesterday that, that just absolutely loved it and she understood it. She says, yes, I understand that uh, a GFCI in this area is not going to cost $100 to fix. Um, but at the same time, at least I know an estimate on what I can go back and maybe ask for repairs or ask for things. She goes, because time is of the essence. She goes, we don't have a lot of time to be able to, once you get the inspection report back, get an electrician out here, get a furnace guy or an HVAC guy out here, get a roofer out here. That takes time. She goes, with this type of report that you're able to provide us through Repair Pricer, that eliminates all that for us. Um, and that's all we're looking for. So, um, and I was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you see the value in that. Uh, so, and her realtor wasn't even aware of it, um, that that was even an option. And he was happy with it. Some realtors aren't going to like it. You know, they, 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 they don't, you know, they don't always see things the way, Others see it. Um, they see it as a way as another obstacle of getting the house closed. Right. But if you're truly, if you're truly looking out for your client's best interest, you know, and you can utilize that report as a way to, um, you know, further along the sale and speed things up, I think it's a positive. You just have to make sure that you uh, explain it to the client that you know this is an estimate. This isn't, you know, uh, and, and and end all in because you know you could go to three different contractors, you're going to get three different prices. Exactly. Um, and, and so we do that via drip emails that go out. Uh, so what we did was, is we put it into a package. We started doing packages uh, probably mid last year to where we have a base inspection package. Uh, we used to have three, but we cut it down to two. And then we have a, um, a sig we call a signature package. And um, basically for 150 bucks, they can get uh, infrared um uh, sprinklers because we don't do sprinklers automatically here and then that repair price report and uh, you know we've we've seen it raise our average inspection price by about thirty forty dollars uh, an inspection by doing packages and, and putting that into the package 
Nice. I love it. And I'm, I have it on my list to look into them more too. I, I, we spoke to them briefly um, about getting together and doing something um, or integrating. So I'll look into that some more. Um, because yeah. I agree with and you. That nothing replaces getting three quotes from local contractors. You're going to get different prices. And yeah, that'll be the exact price. But people don't have time to do that. Buyers don't yeah. have time. And if you guys can automate it, that'd be a lot easier because I think the way we've had to do it is we've had to uh, set it up through ISN to where uh, uh, it triggers an email uh, that will send the report to because the prayer pricer will, um, you know, they turn it around within 24 hours or they don't charge you for it. And so we've just set an account with them to where they bill us for all the reports and then we can charge whatever we want for the report. Uh, so in our instance, we've just included it with one of our packages. Um, you know, still, you know, we're paying 40, 50 bucks for it. Um, but, you know, we're recouping that cost, you know, on the cost of the package. But with the way we have to do it now is we have to set up a, an ISN, a trigger email that if they select a certain inspection type, like the signature package, that it will send that email to repair pricer automatically. And then once they get it, then they, you know, they turn it around within 24 hours. So it's a pretty quick turnaround once they get the report. So, gotcha. so yeah, so you guys ought to work into that. Hopefully you guys can get that integrated. Cause I, you know, whether it be repair price or whether it be, cause I think even porch offers that service now. Um, and I think I listened to one of your podcasts. It might've been the guy up in Washington that he was talking about the home Depot. Yeah. So yeah, someone had mentioned yeah. that, that he's shocked. They're not in the game yet. Yeah, I mean, and that could be where the business is going. I mean, it made sense when he was talking about that, where he says, why would uh, the Home Depot care about a three, $400 inspection when they're real, uh, uh, when they're really looking at, you know, hey, I could get, you know, five, ten thousand $10,000 out of this, um, you know, in business or in supplies off of this, uh, off of each home inspection. So right. hopefully, hopefully nobody from Home Depot corporate is listening to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Who knows if uh, they're yeah, thinking I mean, about our little old industry, who knows? Hey, you know, it's an industry that a lot of companies, you know, a lot of like uh, industries like uh, uh, insurance and I mean, people are paying attention to it. True. So, Very uh, true. you know, data is king right now and, and everybody's after customer data. So, um, whether it be, I mean, the home inspections, you know, we get the data just like the real estate agents do. So, uh, it's interesting times, be interesting to see how things go in the next, uh, I mean, two to five years, 10 years, you know, see where we're at. Yeah. And just like you said earlier, I, I, you know, our moral compass is like, man, hopefully there's just a win, win, win situations where everybody gets a better value. Everyone gets what they're looking for. No one feels slighted. So we'll see if that's possible in this world. Yep, we'll see. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good call. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk some more. I'm sorry for rambling on and on. It's just, uh, um, I, you know, it's exciting times to be in, you know, the business. Uh, you can I can't ask for a better uh, job uh, than what we've been doing. I know a lot of times people get frustrated with uh, clients and, you know, complaints and stuff like that. But I always look back to, okay, what did I do? What did I do before? Right. Would I rather do be doing what I did before? Or would I rather be doing what I'm doing now? And I'd rather be doing what I'm doing now. So, uh, I, you know, if anytime you need perspective, just think about that. And, and uh, it doesn't take much to uh, get, get your mindset back again. Love it. I love it. That's the right mentality. And I, I've always loved your mentality and your attitude towards the business. I think that's just healthy and 
um, you know, and you seem happy. Some guys don't always seem happy doing this, and, you know, it's a matter of perspective. But. Well, you have to take time off. I mean, I, I, I start getting a little grouchy, you know. If, if you've ever seen me on my trips, you know, it's usually every about three to four months. And uh, that's about as much as I can take before I got to go somewhere. So yeah. if you see me on a trip, it's usually every three to four months. I think that's my breaking point is, all right, three to four months, I got to go on a trip. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, re reset the clock or, re you know, whatever it is, I, I got to, you know, do a reset. And then, you know, when I, usually when I get back, I'm ready to go. Again. So, uh, you know, definitely don't be afraid to take some time off. Money's not everything. It's always going to be there. Uh, I, I see some of these guys that are doing, you know, say they're doing three to four a day on their own you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. I don't care how much the money, how good the money is. Um, just that driving. I mean, it got to the point where uh, I just can't do that much driving anymore. It's just, it's just too much. You just get burned out. Um, if you're young and you're, you know, you're a young buck and you're going at it, good for you, but it's going to, it'll catch up with you. So I used to be that same way. I was the same way. Um, you know, it's, you know, I always, I always tease uh, some of my guys when they, you know, they put all these jobs in there their schedule i'm like you're getting greedy <laughs> <laughs> they, they just smile you know they you know because they they know it's going to be a good day for them uh but you know if they do it too much then they start getting burned out so um you know try to do some balance on it if you can and you know don't, don't be afraid to lose a job every once in a while i mean i've gotten to the point now it's like you know we've got what we've got on our schedule you know sorry i can't really you know i can't can't make an appointment appear out of nowhere if we don't have it you know you can either work with us on it or you know, you know, if, if they're loyal to you and, and they respect you, you know, they can wait an extra couple of days until you get, you know, time slot open. Yeah. And they'll respect you for having your, I guess, way of running your business. I think you know, people have to understand you end up being miserable and treat people like crap if you're stretching too much. So I love it. Great advice. All right, Scott. So, well, I appreciate you making the time, brother. Um, if if people do want to get a hold of you and chat, what's the best way? I would say uh, reach not me at through all. my no, no. Reach me through the website. We need uh, we need traffic. So uh, cool. <laughs> uh, so our website, and then you can take a look at. It. So uh, just so everybody knows on here, uh, these guys rebuilt our website, and they did a phenomenal job. Um, it took us a little while, but there was certain things that I wanted on that website. And, uh, you know, it's tough to, to, you know, when you've got a vision of what you want to get that uh, across to somebody else um, and get it perfect. But I, I think we got it pretty near perfect uh, as I wanted it. Um, and uh, they, these guys did a great job. So if anybody's out there looking for a, a website uh, for their business, uh, you know, talk with these guys as Victoria because they did a great job. Um, but our website, if you ever need to reach me or want to get a hold of me uh, or just, you know, want some information about our company, uh, our website is uh, signaturemore.com. And you can contact uh, me or anybody at my company on that website. And, uh, you know, give us some feedback on the website. Love it. And everyone, yeah, he's use him as a resource. He's a great, he's a sharp, one of the sharpest inspectors in the game, been doing it a long time, knows what's going on online, offline. Um, and yeah, it's one of the best websites you've ever made. So it had to be up to those Orange County standards, standards out there, man. Everything's got to be a little sexier. Out there. Hey, I, you know, when you've got a guy that knows how to use WordPress, it's uh, probably a little <laughs> bit more challenging for you guys. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I know how to work this. Uh, and then also, if anybody's ever in the Southern California market in Orange County, if you're in Disneyland and you want to uh, go out with us one of these days or want to stop by, you know, reach out to us. Uh, 
they'd be more than happy to take anybody out because I know we're in, a, we're in a vacation destination. And I've told you guys, uh, you know, Kevin and Michael, anytime you guys are out here, you know, look me up and we'll go out and have a drink or, or take you to the beach or something. So uh, we, you know, we're fortunate to live in the area that we live in. And, and t- you know, sometimes we do take it, take, take it for granted. So <laughs> definitely, I will be out there this summer. So I'll get a hold of you. Um, all those AVP tournaments out in Manhattan and Hermosa and all that. So I will be out there for. Some oh time. yeah, yeah. Manhattan Beach is the big one, isn't it? Yep. Is it the, yep. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah, I think uh, I think I went. You know, I we do a lot of I do a lot of bike riding on the boardwalks, and uh, I think I, they have vans too. They have like skateboarding ones out there too. So uh, it was either the. Well, they have the surfing too. So you got the volleyball, surfing, and vans, skateboarding. So it really depends on which one it is, but they have those all summer long. So, but yeah, definitely look me up. We're not that far. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a bunch, Scott. We'll uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right. When you when you go through the cut this out. Cut it